I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I extend my respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners that we have joining us. Sovereignty has never been ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. It was one of the most, I guess, eye-opening experiences for me to have around what we think we can do and what we can actually do. Prior to that, I always say to my new new students, just remember that there is a huge difference between I can't do this and I don't want to do this. And in between those two statements is where your potential lies. Leah is a Pilates instructor, personal trainer and Kundalini yoga teacher. She spent over 14 years transforming people's physiques, including her own, but she soon realized that just working on your body isn't enough to make you happy. Leah moved to Bali, shaved her head, and created Kaya, a fitness program to help people unlock courage and go beyond what they think is possible. Now, I've been taking Kaya classes since 2020, and I can safely say Leah's energy has changed my life. It's a very generous, mystical experience. I don't want to give too much away. But I can let you know that the profound experiences I have had during a Kaya class have completely rerouted how I view myself and the way that I approach relationships and what I'm working towards in my life. Leah's philosophy is really simple. Change the way you view yourself and you'll change the way that the world views you. Let's get into the chat. This is Life Chats. Deep and meaningful conversations with friends and strangers. Thank you for joining me. Thank, Thank you for, you for having time. me. <laughs> Obviously, I've been going to Kai for a few years and I just find your energy amazing, grounding, calming, expansive. <laughs> so I'm keen to have a chat and get to know you a little bit more. I think it's really interesting when you get to know people finding out about how they grew up and what they were like as a child or their family life. Were you always spiritual growing up or kind of into that sort of side of things? No. <laughs> I mean, I I truly believe that all children start off as spiritual and, um, you know, throughout our lives we start to, I guess, lose or forget about that side of us. Um, and it's through no fault of anybody's. It's just, you know, our parents start to instill their uh, their ways onto us. It's just it's just parenting. I mean, I have two kids, so I know exactly what what it's like. Um, and then you just sort of fall into um, you fall into a a path. And my path was not of the spiritual one. Um, I would say it was probably the extreme of the other side. <laughs> the that often happens, um, I find, with people. Yes. Um, and again, it wasn't a conscious choice to be one way or the other. It was just how my life unfolded. So, um, you know, through school, I was quite sporty, um, very much into fitness, mm -hmm. but mostly into music. I was a very musical child from um, early on, taught myself how to play the piano, always singing, always um performing. Yeah. So I suppose um, that has been the constant in my life. I've always been on stage. I've always been wanting to kind of be in front of people, um, but it was more of a, of a musical thing. And, and when I left school, 
when all my kind of counterparts went off to university, I was like, I think I want to be a DJ. Nice. So <laughs> I went off and I did that. And, you know, thanks parents for supporting me on that journey because they did. And, um, and that's what I did for 18 years. I was a DJ for a very long time. That took me to London. I ran a record label over there for six years. Um, and this is all sort of pre social media and, you know, this was the uh, late 90s and early 2000s um, and basically had a ball, none of which has been documented. Thank God for that. <laughs> I was going to say, what was that lifestyle like? I mean, it was play hard, party hard. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And I'm not afraid to sort of say I've, I've lived that life. I've had that experience. Um, what I will say is that Although I wasn't conscious of the effects that it was having on my health, um, I definitely saw that there, it was a finite path for me and um, I was getting tired and I was, you know, I was living in the nighttime hours and also trying to have a job and, you know, so I just I felt like it was taking a toll on me. I didn't have any tools to help me kind of come out of that. It wasn't even really, it wasn't in my field. I wouldn't say that it wasn't, um, that it wasn't mainstream, but it certainly wasn't something that was, I was aware of in terms of, um, you know, mental health. How do you support that? Um, so when I moved back to Australia, there was a, a myriad of reasons what happened. Um, you know, iTunes started, I was working for an independent record label, um, the music industry was going through a major shift, a big transition, and I felt like it was a really great opportunity for me to also um, have a look at Pivot. what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, for the rest of my life, I'd just turned 30. Um, I felt Australia was calling me back. My sister was about to have a baby. Um, she was married. I was like, hmm, is that maybe in my I field? <laughs> maybe I want that. Maybe <laughs> that's something that I should look at, you know. Yeah. And um, so moved back to Australia. And one of the one of the constant things in my life, I suppose, throughout my um, music career, was that every time I'd come home, my mother would like always drag me to her Pilates classes. Oh. She was very much like, "You need to look after yourself, mm -hmm. and you look like hell." And not you know, well, that's what that's mums what are for. Do. I mean, yep. really, who, if not, you know, mum's not going to tell you who's mm -hmm. going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And um, grateful to her because it. It started my love affair with mm -hmm. um, not only Pilates but health yeah. um, in a way. And so when I came back to Australia, I was like, what am I doing? And um, the the fitness industry was kind of calling. So mm -hmm. I did my PT certification. I, I was very fortunate to be able to train in studio with a wonderful Pilates teacher, mm -hmm. Helen Tardant, and I ended up teaching in her studio for eight years. Wow. And um, – and it was fantastic. It was it was the, what I needed to really become in tune with my mm -hmm. body, mm -hmm. um, to understand how it works, yeah. to feel the difference between uh, being strong and um, and I guess kind of being in in control of my own physique. Um, Did it feel like the lifestyle you were previously living? You didn't have that control, and you kind or you just weren't connected. Um, I was always at the mercy of like a hangover, yeah, or yeah. or my or how tired I was, yeah. or you know. So I always felt like I was I was on the back foot, and I was chasing mm -hmm. my tail to try and feel okay enough yeah. to kind of function. And I also feel like, and and this is just a hindsight thing, you know. I think we as um, humans accept 
feeling average Mm -hmm. daily. Yeah. And the more that I've gone down this um, health path, I don't don't like to refer to it as a fitness path anymore because I think health encompasses so much more than just physical fitness. Um, I think it's really quite sad that we – accept feeling mediocre every single day when I know that we don't have to be, it doesn't have to be that way. But it's, you know, lifestyle choices and busyness and pressure and responsibilities and family and there's a whole lot of stuff that kind of goes into um, feeling like that on a day-to-day basis. And I guess my previous life I was my previous life. <laughs> I feel past, like I've had nine lives. I was going to say, do yeah, you feel like you've had I multiple do. lives? Yeah. And I feel like now I'm embarking on a an- new one. A, yet another one. Yeah. And I suppose we can mark milestones in our lives um, as starting new chapters, but I really have mm. reinvented myself as, you know, a completely different personality, I think. I think that's what we have to do though. Like you're always learning and evolving and figuring out who you are, but that mm. changes over time too. Your values sometimes shift. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, throughout different periods of your life, you prioritize different things. So it's it's actually a skill, I think, to be able to say, that's not who I am anymore and that's not feeling good and that doesn't align and who do I want to be and let's go towards that. Yeah. yeah. And I think as a, at a baseline foundational level, we are who we are, mm-hmm. but the expression of who that is out in the world Agreed. can change. Totally. Um, and that comes down to, I believe, um, you know, how healthy we are uh, uh, holistically. So throughout mm-hmm. our whole life, how is our mental health? How's our physical health? Are mm-hmm. we making choices that support um, and nourish those aspects of our lives? And then through that, um, that is how you express yourself mm-hmm. out into the world because it's your view of yourself starts to shift. Mm. And so I believe the way that you view yourself is the way that the world views you. And so you start to um, see things through a slightly different lens and then opportunities start Mm -hmm. to arise and conversations start to change and the people in your life might be different to, you know, you'll be hanging out with Mm -hmm. different types of people. So um, it's this kind of organic process of um, evolving. Mm -hmm. I don't think fundamentally I've changed as a human um you know I am who I am but I think that the way that I perhaps respond to situations Mm -hmm. changes I mean being a parent changes you inherently Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that um that shows you who you are (laughs) I do I do want to get to that later I was going to ask you though you said that you have more of a holistic view on health now what does health mean to you like what does it look like in your day-to-day we'll get to Kaya because I think that's a great kind of that encapsulates all the pillars that you um work for Mm. and with but so it's a great question and it's one that I get asked often and I think the way that I kind of came to my current view of what health is is Mm. through um understanding what health isn't Mm. and as I was um teaching Pilates um I would notice that I'm helping these people change their physiques, becoming as physically fit as they possibly can. I'm seeing the results. They're seeing the results. Yet the conversations that we're having um, are centred around uh, misery in their lives. Mm. I'm feeling disconnected. Relationships. Um, Relationships, my job, my kids, my this. And I'm sitting there going, because back at, at, in that time, you know, when, when social media was sort of starting to become um, a little bit more prominent and we were being served this 
um, idealistic view mm -hmm. of what health and success, I think, also mm -hmm. looks like, yep. there was a dissonance between um, how people were feeling. And it was actually reflected in my own my own life. Mm -hmm. I could only see it because it was it was I was living it. What did that look like? So there's me, you know, body by Leah Simmons. That was yes, my Instagram that was handle, handle. You yep. know, perfect body. Um, but internally, pressure, not good enough. Um, need to change this. Couldn't couldn't see uh, couldn't see a way through angry. Was that a constant throughout your whole life or it only started kind of coming to the surface at that point? It only really started coming to the surface at that point because I started becoming obsessed around my physical appearance and how I was looking. So I thought the solution to that was just to train harder, mm -hmm. you know. I want to be this certain way so I will put all of my energy into my physical training so that I can look this way. This is where it really started to um, manifest in my behaviours. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, I was, I mean, there is no other word to say except just obsessed. Yeah. Um, the choices I was making around, um, you know, I guess looking after my physical health mm -hmm. were some of the most unhealthy choices I could make. And not only that, I was lying about it. And you know, I'm I'm happy to talk about it now, but when I was in it, it's, you know, you sort of, I think I, I've referenced this story a, a few times is um, I was starting to, I was starting to create a bit of a, a profile, a name for myself. So I was doing a lot of press and um, interviews and what's your day on a plate look like? So yeah. what does my day on a plate look like? I'd make up this beautiful plate of food. I have eggs. I have this, I have that. I have all of this stuff. I'd shoot it. I'd photograph it. I would post it. I would say, and I start my day every day with this and, you know, this is all you need and then I'd throw it in the bin. And I'm not proud of it. It was a big lesson I needed to learn um, around something called cognitive dissonance, which is quite simply saying one thing and doing another. And cognitive dissonance I now know is one of the biggest energy leaks you can have because you're in a constant state of, um, of misalignment within you. Mm -hmm. And the mind is a very powerful thing. So when you know that you are um, projecting something out into the world that isn't, doesn't reflect what you're doing either internally or even externally, um, what you end up in is a constant state of guilt. And guilt and shame and fear is, um, you know, they're very, very uh, disruptive, uh, very, very... Are they not at the lowest? They're the lowest They're the lowest vibrational. Vibration. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't want to kind of throw that in there yes. without any context. <laughs> but if you, you know, there's a very clear map of the scale of human emotions. Mm -hmm. um, apathy is actually down at the bottom. Right. Um, you know, shame, guilt, fear. It moves all the way up through uh, courage, neutrality, uh, you get up into love, and then right at the top of that chart is guess. Service or enlightenment or? No, gratitude, ah. which is why this whole, um, you know, the, the gratitude journal, the gratitude practice, find three things that you're grateful for every single morning because it instantly catapults you up to the top mm. of that scale and it can almost wipe away any feelings of guilt. Yep. If you can, and, and even in terrible circumstances, um, you know, 
things that we couldn't even imagine. If you can find something to be grateful for, it can really shift. It's like a circuit breaker. It is. And, yep. it, and it does. It, mm. it literally it breaks that feedback loop mm-hmm. of sort of, um, you know, constant, we're just playing, running those negative scenarios in mm. our head. It breaks that, um, that cycle, that pattern, and it, it allows you to see the good in a terrible situation. I read an amazing book and I would really encourage um, anybody to read it by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for mm, Meaning. It's, it's only small, you know, but it really puts into perspective mm-hmm. that even in the most dire of circumstances, the you know, where you literally would feel like there is no hope left, that there are things to be grateful for. That was like Eddie Jacu's book for me, Happiest Man Alive. Very yeah. similar circumstances. It's the same thing. I was just so emotional reading that in the darkest of days he would get a little morsel of food from a friend right. or, you know, see sun coming through a window on a certain angle and he'd just have this joy for life. And he sustained that up until he died when he was 101 yeah. or 102. He just had joy for such small things. And I think and that's things- the misnomer as well is it doesn't have to be a huge thing that you always mm. have to find to be grateful for. It can be the tiniest little most insignificant thing to the outside world but if it has meaning for you um, or, you know, and I think perspective as well is mm-hmm. is a big one. Um and not, not that's not to say that my my suffering or my trauma isn't as yeah, relevant mm. as somebody else's just because they've been through more. But there is always something to find a little bit of gratitude for, so and true. it might just be a fleeting moment, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's like balancing that line between having the gratitude and the perspective to know that your problems will pass and also allowing yourself to feel them because you don't want to repress them. So you're kind of always straddling that line. Exactly. But you were talking about energy leaks and I found this super interesting. Can you share a couple more that people might want to be aware of? Yes. So um, judgment Mm -hmm. is a big energy leak. And again, I mean, I think even Buddha said something like, I know that I will be enlightened when I can get through one day without one judgment and like we're still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's nigh on impossible not to judge. Um, It's, you know, we meet someone, we have a first impression. That's a judgment. It's what you do with that thought, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's do I load that thought up with all of my own conditioning Mm -hmm. and then decide to label it? and define that person with my judgment because I'm really only seeing them through my lens Mm -hmm. or do I observe that thought, that judgment, and and then still be open to a dialogue, a conversation, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a transaction or an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. So judgment, um, I think resistance. How does that manifest? So Again, and, and it, it's it's been so prevalent, especially over the last few years where um, we've been through something that has been so polarizing mm-hmm. in the world and um, everybody has an opinion about yeah. everything. <laughs> and you can't voice it online because it's no, so... No, because everybody wants you to pick a side mm-hmm. and we are very divisive and we're very, if you're not in that side, then you must be in that side. If you're not right, then you're mm-hmm. left. If you're not up, then you're down. And, and our social media... Um, algorithms are like silos for us too that keep us in those right. polar, polarizing views, and that's that's another whole that's another kettle that's of another terrifying. Podcast. Yes, <laughs> that's another podcast. Um, absolutely, how sort of how we feel like we have free will, free thought, but actually we're being uh, yeah. anyway. <laughs> that's off camera, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> off camera comes. 
Um, so yeah, resistance to things. Uh, I feel like again, it's okay to have the feeling. Yeah. And and we all get it. I get it all the time. It's what makes you human. We are. It's you know. And again, a big word to use: ego. <laughs> but it's the ego. Um, going into damage control to try and keep you safe. It's our fight or our flight. It's it's a perceived threat. It's all of those things that our limbic brain, our reptilian brain is designed to do. So if it's not there, then um, you know, we're not we're not a human. So it's okay to have all of these feelings. Um it's understanding them, rationalizing them. Am I actually in danger? Mm-hmm. Is my life on the line? Like, what is the threat here? Yeah. The threat, nine times out of ten, is that your belief system is being challenged. That's it. And so then you kind of have to ask yourself, all right, where did my beliefs come from? Do I even believe this belief anymore? Am I so attached to it because it's gotten me to this point mm-hmm. um, and I'm not willing to kind of change or let it go? What if I listened to this particular point of view? What if I opened myself up to a new experience? Um, You know, so I think resistance, judgment, you know, cognitive dissonance, so saying one thing, doing another, massive energy leaks. And an energy leak is going to take you out of the present. That's that's what it does. And you start to obsess and ruminate and think about these things where you're not in the here and the now, which is actually where change and progress and effort can be made to break those cycles, make those changes that you want. Um, We get stuck in the past or we get, you know, obsessed about the future, where we're going, where we've been, when in actual fact it's where we are now where we have the most power, I think. Um, it's we have we can't change the past. We can change our view of the past. We can change our relationship to the things that have happened in the past, which can then also set us on a different path forwards. Mm. And I think um, that's the other big thing that really changed my uh, life, I would say, is accepting responsibility for where I am at any given moment. I created this. It was nobody else's doing. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't my teacher's fault. It wasn't my friend's fault. And it's not even a fault. It's my responsibility. My life, my responsibility, the way I show up for myself in the world is my responsibility. That also then frees you of wearing the weight of other people's opinions. It also frees you from then being, I guess, um, controlled or guided by um, other people's expectations. It allows you to sort of be the the author of your own story, mm-hmm. and that for me is is what freedom and um, you know autonomy looks like. And it's not about going against everything. It's not about being a sovereign. It's about um, being in a community, it's about um, interacting with other people, being a social animal because that's what we are, but it's about having boundaries for yourself and what am I willing to give, what am I willing to receive, how do I want to how do I want to show up for myself in this world. So many good points. I think we could take it so many different directions. I'm keen to hear how like we'll go into what do I say, Leah Simmons and Kaya, but now in your daily life, how do you 
practice boundary setting? What does that look like? Oh, if I knew the answer to that, I would write a book. Um, you should. It's daily practice and and sometimes I'm really crappy at it. <laughs> to we all be are. quite yeah. honest with you, I don't have – I don't have the answer to that because I'm learning as I go, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so all I can really go on is um, was that successful or did that blow up in my face? And um, and I think that's how we start to set some boundaries. I've had two kids to two different people, both very different humans, both I adore, mm-hmm. um, both my kids and my exes. Um, we're, we've worked very hard to... Uh, create a really strong family unit. But in that process, I have had to learn the definition Mm. of boundary. Boundaries. Mm. What does that mean? My boundaries, their boundaries, my children's Mm -hmm. boundaries, you know, and um, I think you have different boundaries for different people, different relationships in your life. And I think the only way that you can um, set a boundary is to understand um, what it is that you need Mm-hmm. Um, sort of at a survival level, um, you know, that that feeling of do I have enough around me in terms of am I safe, am I feeling secure, mm-hmm. am I centred, um, what it is that you need from your relationships, that sense of belonging, um, I want to be part of something, but what does that look like? And then what it is that you need for yourself. So what are the boundaries that you mm-hmm. set so that you can kind of flourish in an environment that feels safe and nurturing for you? And until I think people do the work, this word boundary gets thrown around. Yeah, and what what does that mean? People don't tang- like know how that looks tangibly and how to enact those in their life, I think. They want to set more boundaries, but then I think people feel uncomfortable maybe telling someone, oh, I don't want to spend time with you, or it just feels very abrasive and blunt and it's hard to kind of make that transition. Yes. But it's in small moments, I think, as well. You kind of, as you said, you realise what feels good for you, what doesn't feel good for you. And you can also retrospectively revisit it as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's – just because in the moment you might have flubbed it or fumbled your way through it or not said what you wanted to, you know, I always feel like you could totally go back to that person, that situation, and just be like, you know what, I just want to put my hand up and say I probably handled that really clumsily. what I was trying to express mm-hmm. was X, Y, Z. And I think people will really appreciate the fact that um, it's had some thought yeah. put into it. Um, I think it's a lesson that you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. learn f- about yourself. Um, and I also feel like uh, no one's, there's no perfect way to do any of this. No. There is no one way to mm-hmm. do any of this. There's so much advice out there. It's almost like Instagram is just one continual self-help It's overwhelming. Book. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually quite loath to jump on that mm. train and, you know, I'm at this crossroads now where I'm like I believe, uh, you know, my train of thought, I guess my way of being is very um, similar to so many people out there. Uh, I'm not a soundbite I'm not a one-sentence affirmation. I'm not that. I am, you know, I'm more than that. I'm, And I want the people that I am in front of to know that they are more than that too and they deserve more than that. And a one-size-fits-all sentence around is, is not going to cut it. It's not, no. you know, some of the most random things will hit me so hard 
and um, on social media. On social mm. media, and it's always something that is like either swearing rude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know. But I'm just like, let's let's get rid of all of the fluff around it and get to the core mm. of what we're trying to say. That you know, it's messy, mm-hmm. it's painful. Not there's no two experiences that are the same. So why would there be one healing modality for everybody? Um, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's not linear. You might feel like you're going back. That's important because a lot of people think that when you're healing or growing, it's like all up, 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 up. But you often regress, or then you have to reassess where you're going, or your and you know what you change. might go back to that that destructive pattern mm-hmm. fifty times yep, before you learn. That's okay. I've done that. <laughs> it's okay. It is okay to do that. Yeah. You know, sometimes I mean, repetition is our greatest teacher. Mm. We need to do things over and over and over again to form a new habit, to break a habit. So true. And so you're never going to just be like, oh, I've done this one meditation once and now I'm healed. Professional, yeah. Yeah, and and, I, and it almost, it kind of, it slightly jars me that we get sold that mm. sometimes. Um, it's a very naive, simplistic surface way to look at somebody's trauma or someone's Mm. experience and so all I try and do is relate it back to me always Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would never tell someone oh you need to go and do this or you need to go and do that or Mm -hmm. if you do this then you'll feel that I don't know yeah you know I really don't all I know is that by doing some of the practices that I do that keep me together you'll feel something. That's it. (laughs) That's as far as I go. (laughs) So let's talk about that. So you were living in Bali, is this correct? Body by Leah Simmons. Yes. I heard you in a class talk about how you kind of went through this spiritual awakening or multiple, because I think we all have many in our lives, but this particular one where I think you had a guru and she was kind of leading you through this awakening. And um, can you talk a little bit about that? Was that an overnight thing where you decided your life was going in a different direction or you were just slowly opening your mind up to kind of more possibilities? I mean, nothing's overnight, Mm -hmm. even if it feels like it's an overnight success. Um, This has been a 15-year odyssey. And I didn't even know I was on that journey Mm -hmm. for a lot of it. Um, But obviously looking back, it was like, oh, that was then and then you start, you know. So it was really a, um, a process of looking inwards. And it was only when I, when the kind of penny dropped, I was like, oh, this is about me. Right. <laughs> okay. You're that like, changes you. everything, <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, and then I was like, holy fuck, this is about me. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, equal parts terrifying and equal parts empowering. Cause I'm like, okay, this is the point in my life where I go, I want to make a change what does that look like? How do I do that? And now I really need to start doing some work. This is not going to come to me. I have to go to it. And so it's choices. And so, yeah, I'm living in Bali. The way that I, that that even happened was I met my then husband, now Mm ex-husband, um, who, by the way, you know, we both were not on this sort of path Mm -hmm. when we met. It wasn't like he was like, come with me and I will show you the way he was, he owned, restaurants he was dancing on tables I was DJing yeah Yeah. like we were just kind of like Mm woohoo having a great old time Mm -hmm. um did you have any kids at this point did Did he you oh yes so I had a son I had my son Mm -hmm. um 
And so that was the other thing that I was navigating. I was going back and forth in between Sydney and Bali. I was doing two weeks in Sydney, two weeks in Bali, two weeks in Sydney, two weeks in Bali because sharing my child with his dad and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there was all that whole conversation of like I've met someone that lives in another country. Mm. How does this, how is this going to work with my ex-partner and my son? And so guilt and, you know, so anyway. Uncertainty, it's a lot. Absolutely. Whereas conversations and communication is always going to, you know, prevail. However, um, it got to the point where we were all, you know, we're in a great relationship. It was all going well. We met um, some people that were very much into um, working with energy Mm -hmm. and, the power of of people's human behavior through manipulating the the energy in that human. Had right? you been aware of that prior to that point? The concepts no. around that? No. Okay. I mean, you're aware of it as it manifests in the moment. You don't know why it's happening or how, or or if you can even um, change it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we all know. Okay, I'll give you an example. We all know. I'm sure we've all had a moment where. You've walked into a room and you can feel the tension, Mm. like you can cut it with a knife. That's coming from someone, Mm. right? So someone's in a mood and and it's actually created this energy in the room. Most of us don't give that a second thought. We acknowledge that it's there. But it's there Mm. and there's a reason that it's there. And so um, these people were very much involved in, okay, well, if a bad mood can infiltrate a room and affect somebody else's energy, can a good mood, Mm. can a, you know, and can you run a business around, um, I guess, supporting your people so that they're giving out good energy, which then affects the customers and, you know, changes the world. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of the premise of how we started working with these people. But then the teachings themselves, what we realized really didn't have anything to do with them, but everything to do with yourself. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff is about an an internal sort of looking at yourself from the inside and going, um, if I change my energy, if I keep my energy levels up, if I do practices that cultivate mm-hmm. that type of emotion or emotional response yep. from me, then I'm going to affect you and I'm going to affect you and that can affect. And then I go out and affect someone. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it started there and then I started doing some work with a wonderful woman who I call my spiritual teacher, a woman called Samaya. Um, she's vibrational medicine. She's just, I mean, she's this... Nordic Amazonian warrior woman who I was actually slightly in love with. <laughs> I think I had a huge crush on her and I still do and I'm not afraid to say that, Samaya, I love you. Um, but she was just this powerful She's very magnetic. female force, very magnetic in my life that kind of – and we we went away to an island in Bali. There was just four of us. It was me and my husband and her and her partner and we just did a, such a deep dive into – everything, kundalini, yoga, energy work, blah, blah, blah. And I had what I would say would be a physical representation of a spiritual awakening where after one session, a particular session, I actually, and I don't want to scare anyone, but I lost the use of my legs. Like I Mm. became paralyzed and it was, it was almost like I was shedding. I don't even know how to, I, I, 
I don't think that my mind, and I don't think it is for my mind to even try and explain. Were you scared in the moment or did you trust that it was part of the process? Like what did that look like when you realised that was happening? I couldn't even separate myself. I was so in it Mm -hmm. that I felt safe. I was scared, mm. but I felt safe. I was with them. She didn't seem concerned. I think her <laughs> I think her just kind of, oh, yeah, like just, you know, if she had been panicking, I think I would have panicked. Yeah. <laughs> but because she was just like, this is all part of the process, I was kind of like, okay, are you sure? Trust the process. <laughs> yeah, Trust the process. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then so then after that I was like, okay, because we'd been, we'd been doing a lot of work and I'd found some great practices that were really changing my life, I think restructuring me at a cellular level. Mm. So physically I was feeling the best that I'd ever felt. Mentally I was strong. Emotionally I was so connected and I was just happier and I was like, this is it. This is life. This is life. This is living. I'm present. I'm feeling great. Um, I've got, you know, and – and then I looked at all the different things that I was doing on a daily basis, which, by the way, was taking all day. So, you know, it wasn't like just go and do a Pilates session and, and everything was mm-hmm. kind of figured out. Um, and I was like, this is, this. these are the modalities that are kind of having this effect on me. And we broke it down into uh, four pillars of energy, but now I call it the four pillars of health so as not to sort of scare anybody you know that we we I think the word energy gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes Why do you think that is? because like a lot of terms in spirituality mm-hmm. it's been they've been bastardized mm-hmm. like they've mm-hmm. just been overused in the wrong context they've been commoditized they've been monetized and they've lost their meaning like even the word wellness now it's just it just feels to me like it's all such a business I also think there's something to be said about the fact that a lot of people don't trust their experience with energy and so if you're not a naturally intuitive person and you're very logical and cerebral you make decisions from a place of like science facts and if it's not on paper and I can't prove it then it doesn't exist that's right whereas energy to me anyway is about like trusting your own experiences and you can define it for yourself and that's a lot of um, things that we experience in spirituality is like your definition is what's true for you. Absolutely. I mean, that, again, that's another word, you know, what is your truth? What yeah, does your, yeah, what's yeah. your truth? Yeah. What's your, and I don't, and I think in order to, for us to get to our truth and trust our truth, mm-hmm. you need to be connected to yourself. That means being present with yourself in all aspects of what that looks mm-hmm. like so sitting in those shitty uncomfortable moments where you just want to run yeah or you know understanding um that this too shall pass being a bit of an observer mm-hmm. of your experiences and not getting um tied down or weighed down or you know so um i mean energy for me because because it is so difficult to define i think i do defer back to the scientific definition, Mm -hmm. which is energy is simply your capacity to do. That's it. Do what Mm. is the next question that we ask. Okay. So sometimes your do is sitting in stillness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your do is um, taking some time for yourself. Sometimes your do is an action or, you know, sometimes your do is having a terribly tough conversation with someone and 
energy, the quality of energy that you have cultivated within yourself is what allows you to do those things. And, um, and so for me, I was feeling very energized. I was feeling very connected and, um, I was feeling like I wanted to share these modalities with with the world, these tools. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was like, okay, so me being me, I go up and <laughs> like do 57 courses on yep. a Kundalini yoga teacher, did meditation and, you know, a whole lot of other things and, and, and also using myself as a little bit of a guinea pig. But I never once was like, this is going to work for anybody. This mm-hmm. is the way, this is anything, this has just worked for me. And me also being me um, was like, I wanted to be as efficient as possible with it because I also know as a mum or as a person, (laughs) as a human out there in the world, we don't have all day to go from yoga to breath work to ice bath to massage to blah, blah. I mean, it would be lovely, Mm. but life Mm -hmm. and cost and all of that sort of stuff. So I actually first of all started looking for a workout Mm -hmm. that would um, that kind of combined everything and satisfied everything that you could do in an efficient amount of time couldn't find one. Um, and then I created one, but going back to the point of, cause I don't think I actually said what the, the four pillars of That's energy right. mm-hmm. were or health, four pillars of health. Um, so it's mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And each of those pillars are just as relevant and important as the other. So we focus very much on the physical because it's what we can see. It's what we can touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we probably have most control over. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other three pillars are just as, if not more important, I, in my opinion. That's actually was one of my questions I was going to ask you. Do you think the body or the mind is more powerful and why, or do we need both equally to be in tune? Um, do you find that you make decisions from a physical intuitive place or more logical? I suppose I'm interested in that as well. I think it's a combination mm-hmm. and I think that there's been something omitted from that. It's also heart. So oh. heart and head mm-hmm. are two different things. They both need each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we need logic, but we also need a feeling of trust and um, we also, I, fe- I think, um, need a feeling of connectedness to something that is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And um, whether that is whether that manifests in religion or faith or, you know, belief in the universe or, or whatever that looks like for you, there is, there is something out there that um, is more than just this. Do, yes, do you know what I mean? I and, and so, so I think we have, we have a mental capacity, we have a physical capacity, we have a, an emotional capacity and we have a spiritual capacity. And for me, spirituality is not about religion or God or, or, or naming it or defining it or any of that sort of stuff. Spirituality for me is about connection. How connected are you to yourself? Mm -hmm. How connected are you to others? How connected are you to the world? And there's actually a fifth pillar, which we, um, which we kind of identified throughout this whole Kaya process, Mm -hmm. which is the social pillar, which is the fabric and kind of underpins, um, you know, us, I think, as individuals, is this feeling of um, connection and tribe and 
um, community and purpose mm. and service and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, we are here with a whole bunch of other people. Um, what does that mean? There's so there's so many narratives on social media and everywhere at the moment about, you know, like being independent and doing things on your own and kind of being a one-person show, but I think that totally negates the fact that we're social animals and we need, we need each other. We need people. Yeah. We need community. We need to feel um, like we, we need, belong. We need to feel like mm-hmm. we belong. We also need to feel like we are making a contribution, mm-hmm. um, I believe. And I think we to some degree, need recognition for mm. our contribution. We need acknowledgement. We, you know, it doesn't need to be our driver. But it's like a measurement of if you're doing good work, if you're impacting people, if you're connected, if you're authentic. That's Actually right. having someone tell you that is like a little signal of, oh, okay, I'm on the right path. Yeah, you there's can- a reason that relationships are such, I mean, they show up in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. It shows up in Barrett's seven levels of consciousness. It shows up in um, I just watched Stutz. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know? I'm interviewing my therapist on this podcast. Oh, so it me. shows up in his <laughs> yeah. little, you know, th- that little. His purpose his triangle. purpose triangle, mm-hmm. relationships, relationships, relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be there if it's not a hugely important part of our our makeup as humans. You see it in the animal kingdom. Yeah. There's barely, you know, aside from maybe, I don't know, a cheetah or something, I'm, I probably just made that up. It's <laughs> your <laughs> <a> spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, animals. Yeah. Tribal. Mm-hmm. They work together to, you know, this is what we are. I think we forget this sometimes that we are but an animal Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, no better, no worse. We have this ability to dream and we have this brain and, um, you know, we have this, I think it gives us a little bit of, makes us think that we're a little bit more important than we actually are. Um, but at our base level, we are animals Mm -hmm. and, um, and animal, you know, we, we need each other. We crave each other. It's, it's, it's just fundamental. Talk to me about what um, Kaya, how it trains the four pillars. If someone's never done a Kaya class, they're listening and they have no idea what to expect, which is <laughs> well, pretty much everyone when you go to your first class, I think you actually say, be open-minded, be open to what this experience is. That's the best way to kind of throw yourself into it. How could you give a kind of overview of what a class would be? Okay. Um, so just as, uh, uh, you know, as going simply in the what Mm-hmm. The what are the modalities? So, um, in my experience, I found I broke them down into um, the different things I think that spoke to the different pillars. So, mental pillar is all about your mind. It's all about um, creating capacity, um, patience, mm-hmm. um, focus, being present. Um, so, for me, breath work was one of the most effective ways to not only sort of flood my body with oxygen, which feeds the brain, which is the center of our mm-hmm, thoughts, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but it brings you into the present moment. You cannot do an active breathwork session thinking about what you're having for lunch. Yeah. You just can't. I mean, you can, but it won't be, very, you know, it, to really get the benefit of a breathwork session, you need to be fully focused. You need to be very present. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our mental pillar, it starts off with breathwork and it always follows the same format. So it goes, um, it, it 
goes breath work and then physical pillar is our body work. So for me, trained Pilates teacher, trained PT, it's sort of functional um, strength sequences, body It's weight. like the hardest Pilates I've ever done in my life. <laughs> in the best way, <laughs> the booty burn. No, it's it's Amazing. a workout. I'm yeah. not going to hide behind. This yeah. is not fluff. Mm-hmm. This is not a fluffy. I think people assume that anything that involves meditation or breath work is relaxing and this yeah. is all of it. I've had so many people like going, that was the hardest yoga class. I'm like, well, it's not yoga. I mean. You see big like tough men in the gym doing kaya, <laughs> like struggling and the women are these, you know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> come, but the men come. Yes, um, they love it. Yeah, so body work, obviously, depending on what we're doing on that day, what the theme is, what we're mm-hmm. working on, it can be anything, squats, push-ups. You know, I do a lot of isometric holds, so squat holds, um, really inviting you to push yourself Mm -hmm. beyond what you think possible in the workout part. That then moves into the emotional pillar, which is represented to me uh, through meditation. And it's a guided meditation. You know, I'm not asking you to empty your mind because not, you know, impossible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's it's really just asking you to come and sit in a place of stillness and just be with however you've shown up. Mm-hmm. I will talk you through it. And then the final part, the spiritual part, the the sort of cherry on top, I would say, is a powerful uh, technique that I learned through my training as a kundalini yoga teacher. Um, it was one of the most, I guess, eye-opening experiences mm-hmm. for me to have around what we think we can do and what we can actually do. And um, I always say sort of at the beginning of when we're about to move into the arm hold because it's an extended arm hold, so you'll go into a position which um, I choose in that moment and I'm asking you to hold your arms out for a period of time. Prior to that, I always say to my new, new students, just remember that there is a huge difference between I can't do this and I don't want to do this. And in between those two statements is where your potential lies. So when you're sitting in that space and you're like, I can't go on, I can't do this anymore, ask yourself, is it because I'm sitting in a bit of pain Mm -hmm. or a bit of discomfort? Are my arms about to fall off? Like what is actually going on here? Or is it because I'm afraid? Mm-hmm. I have fears coming up. I'm uncomfortable in this moment. This mm-hmm. is sort of Uncertain. challenging me. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer. Mm-hmm. So all these things start to come up. But if I took one more breath, could I keep sitting here with my arms out? And the answer is always yes. And once we push through that first barrier, because it's always that first barrier to entry, and this is the barrier that you're going to come up against in life. Life is an arm hold. It is. It's a series of arm holds. It really mm-hmm. is. It's every day you are going to be asked to um, make a hard decision, to face some kind of fear, to, you know, that's an arm hold. Mm-hmm. Push through it, breathe through it, take a moment. Don't just succumb to that fear. You're better than that. You're stronger than that. You have so much more capability than you think. And so we go into this kind of mindset training in the end that is so liberating and it can manifest in tears mm, and, mm. you know, and, and and it can also manifest in a lot of stuff coming up for people around past experiences. It's all amazing and it's all exactly what you need in that moment. 
And if you can come out of it going, I honestly cannot believe that I sat there for eight and a half minutes or 11 minutes or whatever it was that we do the arm hold for. And I was having this internal dialogue with myself going, no, George May, I'm just going to sit here. No, put your arms down. No, you start going, who's who's talking? Who's in control? (laughs) I honestly have had, for anyone who hasn't done Kaya, like highly recommend. I have had some of the most profound experiences of my life just in that one hour. Leah actually offered, it was 75 or 78 days straight of free Kaya lessons throughout lockdown. During the lockdown, yes. And that was something that I thought I would do for maybe a week and I kind of got the bug and I was doing it every day and you were, you would always say the most amazing things like I would have journaled it all down. Like imagine you're a pillar of light or a pillar of energy shooting up into the atmosphere, like these very visceral, visual um, well, I'm glad you remember because I don't remember anything I, remember. I say in that moment. It's just... So that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. Do you feel that you're a channel in that moment? Because some of the things that you say, and it's almost like a sermon, it's actually incredible. <laughs> and I'm wondering, are you kind of um, present to that or do you just allow that to come through you? I have to allow it to come through me. None of it is scripted. Let me just tell you, I haven't written down a single... There's probably 150 classes up on my online platform that are all recorded live Mm -hmm, classes. mm -hmm. I haven't written one of them down and they're all different. And, you know, and this is actually the, I can, the effectiveness of my teaching comes from how connected I am to myself. So if Mm -hmm. my practice starts to waver or I'm feeling low energy, you can tell it comes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes a little bit more difficult for Mm -hmm. me to sort of tap into it. But, um, I mean, I don't want to sort of come across as if I'm, I have this gift or anything. Mm. I I really, all all it is in that moment is me sitting in that place, asking myself how I feel and having the courage and the confidence to be able to articulate it Mm. because I'm not, um, people are always like, oh my God, how did you know? That's exactly what I wanted to hear. hear. I'm like, well, I didn't. I was talking to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was really talking to myself in that moment Mm -hmm. because it's what I needed. So I'm guessing that, you know, we're all on this sort of Mm -hmm. spinning ball of dirt hurtling (laughs) through the universe together. We're going to be feeling some of the same things. Um, I just wanted to share that. And I've had, I mean, it's, it's floored me, the reactions and some of the messages that I have received from um, my community. And it's never about, oh, look at my six pack or, you know, those push-ups gave me mm. sculpted arms or anything like because that, that's just a byproduct. But So it's never a comment on their physicality. It's always some kind of emotional breakthrough mm. or, or something that they hadn't, um, they'd been afraid of previously, but then found the courage to do. Like it, it was just, and I don't think that I um, realized how impactful it was going to be. And then I was kind of like, whoa, okay, I'm onto something mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is something that I want to share 
with properly the world. with the world. And yeah. I would even find like we would have these discussions or debriefs after Kaya on yeah. the Zoom, on yes. the lockdown sessions. And for a lot of people, it was simply the fact that you had held that space for them. Like they may have never had someone say, you're allowed to feel what you feel right now in this moment. That's okay. Or, you know, you are capable of more. So hearing that for the first time can literally change someone's life. So yes. it's hugely powerful. And I think in that in those times of uncertainty, especially, uh, especially then, during lockdown, yeah. where some people would have literally been by themselves in mm-hmm. isolation for three months. In a room. In a room. Yep. Um, that feeling of belonging, so going mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. the relationship piece, yep. um, feeling part of something, feeling most people sat there with their video off. I had mm-hmm. at one stage, I think through August, we were getting six to 700 people a day on <gasps> those crazy. Zoom classes. Yep. And I only really speak to or engage with 10, and they were five from or all 10, around the world, all around too. the world. Mm. But just, I think there was a comfort and a safety in knowing that I was in it, I'm part of it, um, I can listen, I'm not being judged, I can show up mm-hmm. as I am. And there's this, you know, fool who's just danced around to some daggy 80s song <laughs> that's giving me permission to just be here, yeah, and to be myself, yeah. And, um, and that's all I ever want for people. It's it's not about um, it's not about being perfect. It's not about feeling good. It's not about any of that. It's not even about being grateful for anything. It's about showing up. Mm-hmm. Just show up. That's it. And that's that's sometimes the biggest hardest makes you feel like you've taken that big step into a pile of dog poo, like all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's the hard part. Do that. Everything after that is a lot more. Okay, I'm here. Yeah, I've, I've taken that first step. I've done the hardest part. Yeah. Um, something I haven't asked is that you shaved your head. I when did. When was that and why is that something that you choose to, I mean, it's like why does anyone choose to have their hair how they have it? Yes. But I know that that was tied to a kind of spiritual um, point of your life. Can you talk more about that? So that was um, two years ago, actually over two years ago, September um, two years ago, and I think it was just – I'd been through so much mm-hmm. in my own growth journey mm-hmm. and I wanted a physical representation of how I was feeling and how I was feeling was comfortable being vulnerable and comfortable being exposed. And I didn't want to hide behind anything. What you see is what you get. And and for me, I'd always had my hair. I mean, if you go through my Instagram, you'll be like, it's long, it's pink, it's short, it's platinum, <laughs> it's this, it's that. It's yeah. what, like pick a style, woman, <laughs> you know. And I never really felt like I was me mm-hmm. with anything that I did. And this is me. It feels like you. It feels like me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think like some people are just like, I cannot even – remember you with hair I cannot there's and like you're not allowed to ever grow your hair back you're that is you it's unapologetically you you're and I also you know I had people would come up to me oh my god looks amazing I could never do that well guess you could all right and then they give me 50 reasons why, oh, my ears stick out, my head is this. And <laughs> I'm like, babe, head. if you're shaving your head, no one's looking at your ears. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're, that is a statement. It's mm-hmm. a bold statement. Mm-hmm. It is something that you have to own from the inside. I'm also and was still to the, you know, I, I was and I am still to this day very um, conscious of the fact that this is not a choice for a lot of women. Yes. Yep. Okay. So I would never 
and have never paraded it as a f- trendy fad, mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. like that. I do not subscribe to the buzz cut trend. That's yeah. not why I didn't all make that very clear um, because it's not a choice for some women. They don't want to have mm-hmm. this and um, I'm very, very um, conscious of that fact and I have had many people reach out to me mm. um, on that particular journey telling me that they've actually, I've actually given them the courage to shave it off, mm-hmm. preempting, you know, what's yep, going to happen. Yep. And I've been with them in that moment. That's beautiful. And, you know, I recognize that. So that is something that's really powerful mm. for me if I can sort of um, inspire or help someone in that space. It's just a representation too. It doesn't have to be your hair. It's just owning who you want to be and how you want to present to the world and exactly. feeling aligned in that way as well. Yes. Um, is there anything that we haven't spoken today uh, about today that you want to speak about? <sighs> Look, so I like many. I could talk to you for hours. It's, got, it's honestly the quickest episode I've ever done. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> um, just to say that there's, you know, watch this space. There's a mm-hmm, lot of exciting mm-hmm. things coming up this year for Kaya. Um, we are Yes, this this year is going to be really, really, uh, really, really exciting for for the brand, for the workout, for the community. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's always all been about community. Um, and you can do it from anywhere. You don't have to come to a class in person. Leah yes. does do pop up classes, but you can honestly do it from anywhere in the world. You've got how many videos? A hundred and yeah, there's loads. I also online. do a live studio. So mm-hmm. actually, if you want to try a class um, for free, you all you need to do, and, and I'm sure you'll put up the yeah, the I'll thing, put all the information. But um, if you find us on the website, find the virtual class schedule, and put in the code try Kaya T R Y K A I A. You can try a class with me. Definitely for free. try. You'll be hooked. <laughs> um, we have a bit of a closing tradition on the podcast. Okay. You will laugh because of oh, the, just the nature of this conversation. The reason I wanted to ask this question, everyone has to answer the same question, is because it's broad, it's become cliche, but I'm interested to see people's response to it because you yeah. can take it any way you want, no right or wrong. Leah, what do you think is the meaning of life? (laughs) Because this is life chats. Some people said I refuse to answer. Some people said it can't be answered. Other people said love, you know, one word, ten words, whatever feels right for you. I feel like the meaning of life is to create, Mm. to create and um, create connection, create purpose, I think. Um, and, and also I think it's a two pronged, it's service as well. I really do believe that we are here to, um, to serve whatever that looks like, but, um, to create. And, um, I mean, it is such a broad question. It really is. And that might change tomorrow, that answer. You don't know. Exactly right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Kaya has changed my life. So (laughs) honestly, I've told you that before, but I just wanted to have the opportunity to say it in person. It's a truly profound practice. I think it kind of opens up all the doors to get to discover yourself and connect with other people, but highly recommend to anyone listening. And you have an amazing story. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please let me know who you'd love to hear from next or if you have a story to share, I'd love to get in touch with you. You can connect directly with me on Instagram at Life Chats Podcast, one word. 
And every review and share really does help so much in the early days of building a podcast. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it on social media or you can snap a pic of where you might be listening and jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I really do appreciate the support more than you know. Have a beautiful morning, afternoon or evening wherever you may be listening in the world. I'm Georgia May and this is Life Chats. Oh, 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 oh